your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Thomas Welch, and today we're going to be recapping last night's victory over the Anaheim Ducks, inching this team closer and closer to a playoff berth. We're also going to be talking about Steven Santini's new contract, David Backus potentially playing on Wednesday. So we're going to be getting to a little bit of Blues captains talk over the years. And then we're going to round out this episode with a little conversation about Tom Wilson. Before we get into that, I want to let you guys know that we've got a new podcast that will help you get hockey smart. The Crosscheck Podcast, hosted by Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, goes deeper into NHL stories than any other podcast. With the help of the smartest minds on the ice, follow the Crosscheck Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So jumping right into things, the Blues emerged victorious against the Anaheim Ducks last night in a 3-1 victory, moving their record on the season to 5-2 against the Ducks. The Blues got a power play goal from Braden Shen as the power play continues its excellence. Robert Bertuzzo, you know, scored the first goal of his season as he continues to heat up at the right time. And Ryan O'Reilly pots the empty netter assisted by David Perron in his 900th career game for his 600th career point. If that's not a nice number, I don't know what is. But I kind of want to touch on that a little bit, and I feel like a lot of people around St. Louis uh, have a deep affection for David Perron just because of the way he talks so highly about not only St. Louis as a whole, but uh, about the St. Louis fans here and how much he loves playing hockey in this city of St. Louis. And when you think of blues hockey, you think of people like Barrett Jackman who made an impact here for so long. You think of guys like TJ Oshie who made an impact here for so long. Vladimir Tarasenko obviously made an impact here for so long. Alexander Steen made an impact here for so long. Alex Petrangelo made an impact here for so long. And David Backus, who we might be seeing on Wednesday, made an impact here for so long. But it never really feels like David Perron is mentioned in that category. Most of the time when people talk about David Perron in the St. Louis Blues, uh, you talk about him as a prospect coming up in the ranks, uh, being highly touted, and then there's like a big old gap. And then to what he is now, which is an elite goal-scoring talent, even at the age of 32 years old. Which I get, right? Because he made his way around the league, played for a bunch of different teams, but at the end of the day, like St. Louis was always in his heart. So I think it's high time that we as St. Louis fans put him in the same category as players like that. Maybe not talent-wise, maybe not in terms of production and all the points that he put up because, I mean, Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko, those are pretty hard numbers to touch. But just in the way he impacted the team and the way he impacted the city, I feel like he should be held in the same regard as the players that I just mentioned. But anyways, back into the game, uh, we saw more of the same from the St. Louis Blues team. Kind of what you come to expect, especially when they're playing the Anaheim Ducks. I feel like we've been handling them pretty easily uh, throughout the entire course of this season. But man, Cairo, Thomas, and Hoffman just lighting it up again. Seems like they make scoring chances happen every time they're on the ice, uh, even sometimes more than the first line does. And I know we talked about it a couple episodes before about how a lot of people at the beginning of the season uh, were wondering how the Mike Hoffman experiment would turn out. Uh, and midway through the season, we're probably like, trade him at the trade deadline. It's not working. Uh, he's not playing defense. He's not committed, whatever it may be. Uh, and now it seems like a lot of people are on the bandwagon a lot more because he's scoring on the power play, which quietly the Blues have moved themselves up to ninth in the league in terms of power play production. So uh, especially with where they were at 
one month, two months, three months ago, uh, probably towards the bottom of the standings. That's pretty impressive. And it's indicative of this team clicking at the right time. Everyone's getting hot at the right time. Robert Bertuzzo comes out of nowhere. Uh, is playing like a man on fire. Gets his first goal of the season. Gets rewarded. Jordan Cairo picks it back up uh, where we saw him at the beginning of the season. Mike Hoffman starts becoming the player that we know. All of these things start clicking in place for the St. Louis Blues. It's it's dangerous, for lack of a better word, uh, for the rest of the league because we know what this team is capable of. We've stuck by them all year long through the injuries, through the downtimes, uh, all of those things. And especially with the way that they're performing right now, there's no reason to think that they aren't capable of making a deep run in these playoffs, uh, specifically if they get the right matchups. I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, you might have seen um, me tweet about it earlier today, but the Minnesota Wild have just been taking it to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in their last five meetings. They're five and zero against them. They only lost twice at the beginning of the season. Uh, we know as Blues fans that we can potentially hang with the Colorado Avalanche. They've only lost a handful of games. Three out of the five games have been lost by one goal. So if this team plays like I know that they're capable of, I feel like in a seven-game series, we could definitely take it to Colorado, move on to the next round. If we're playing Minnesota in the next round to try and make it out of the West, I'd take the Blues in that series nine times out of ten, probably ten out of ten. We've played them incredibly well this season. And you know what? Vegas deserves a first-round upset, too, because we're coming up on an expansion draft here, and none of those rules apply to them at all. So they've got Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard in net and don't have to expose either of them as they're both top ten goalies in the league right now. So in my opinion, I think that's the best possible outcome for everyone in the NHL is a Vegas upset. But like I said, I feel like the Blues can hold their own in terms of a matchup better against the Colorado Avalanche because the Blues play a little more physical style of hockey. Uh, The problem is their defensive pairings haven't been indicative of that uh, for the most part this season. So they go out, uh, grab a guy, Steven Santini, extend him to a two-year, two-way contract uh, to just add a little bit of beef on the back end. And I honestly don't mind that at all. In the games that he's played, I haven't really noticed him, which is good for a defenseman because if you're noticing a defenseman, he either's playing really well or really bad. Uh, so the fact that he's just kind of flying under the radar, doing his job, locking down the zone, uh, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, also love the fact that he's 6'2", 207 pounds. So he can move a lot of bodies in that crease, and it's, he's going to be hard to move in that crease. So as opposed to guys like Justin Falk, Vince Dunn, Tory Krug, even Wallman. I mean, those guys are great puck movers. Uh, they're great skaters. They're fantastic in the offensive zone. In the defensive zone, it's a little it's a little bit dicey when they're back there. And Santini doesn't even have to play to add value to this team. It's just, I mean, I've talked about it time and time again. Playoffs come down to matchups. And if Santini fits a better matchup against the Colorado Avalanche than somebody else, then it isn't having Steven Santini that's going to get you all the way to the Stanley Cup. But it's having that option of do we want to play physical beef style or do we want to play speed, some dreamline style. Now, could Steven Stantini be a diamond in the rough? Absolutely. But most of the time, diamonds are a lot easier to find. And our friends over at BlueNile.com know exactly what I'm talking about. Because this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, Ring sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only, 
on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that Dogecoin is going to the moon right now, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you can control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. So to get your $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. All right, so I was going to save this for the last segment of the episode, but I'm going to do it now so I have more time to talk about it because Tom Wilson is up to Tom Wilson things again. If you missed everything that was going on on Twitter yesterday, uh, Tom Wilson was involved in a scrum, ends up on top of Bushnevich uh, as they're all kind of laying on the ground around the goal, punches him in the back of the head while he's face down on the ice. And the Hart Trophy finalist from last year, Artemi Panarin, sees this, jumps on Tom Wilson's back, and they start going at it. Artemi Panarin ends up with an injury and is out for the rest of the season, which, albeit, is short, but he is still out for the rest of the season. And an injury happened directly due to Tom Wilson's actions. Again. So the NHL, the Department of Player Safety, and George Peros look at this and say, yep, best I can do is a $5,000 fine for a repeat offender who's done this time and time again. So after this announcement is made, the New York Rangers Public Relations release a statement through their Twitter that says, and I quote, the New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and to suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Now, a lot of things to unpack there, one of which is that if you would have asked me off the top of the dome who would be the perfect person to be the head of Department of Player Safety, George Paris would probably be up there. Um, the problem is he's proven time and time again uh, that he's inconsistent and the game has passed him by. Now, look, there's two very adamant sides of this conversation. It is the people that love the old style of hockey, the physicality, the grind it out. 
eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, let them drop the gloves, let the men handle their business, all those things. And then there's the other side where people want to see players like Connor McDavid. Uh, they want to see the skill. They want to see the speed. And the physicality directly hinges on that because players with a lot of speed and a lot of skill a lot of times don't have the same physicality as guys like enforcers, guys like Tom Wilson, guys like Ryan Reeves. So when they get checked, they're out for a lot longer than a guy who's pushing 200 pounds and running around on skates like a bowling ball. But at the end of the day, hockey is a combination of both, right? It's the same reason that Jordan Cairo is kind of struggling to find his way in consistency in the NHL right now is because he gets bodied off the puck pretty easily because he's still kind of undersized, even though he put on 20 pounds in the offseason. There is room for this sport for players like Ryan Reeves. There is room in this sport for players like Jordan Kyrie. What there is not room in this sport for is for players directly going out and trying to physically harm or injure other players. If you're going to let them duke it out to settle their differences, letting two big emotional men who are pissed off go at each other and fight, I'm all for that. There's a code of ethics there. You don't hit the guy when his head's on the ground. Right? Because I've seen a lot of old guys on Twitter kind of defending Tom Wilson and saying he shouldn't have been suspended. You can't kick him out of the league because that's part of the game. But one thing that the old guys in the 80s who fought consistently all the time did was respect each other. When they would go talk to each other, they go get drinks after the bar, they'd be friends behind the scenes, but then they go duke it out on the ice because that was their role and that's what they were getting paid to do. And then you have guys like Jordan Bennington who don't even fight. They just go around and try to stir things up and get people agitated, kind of be a rat to get the boys fired up. That's fine. That's cool, too. Making a big hit to get the boys riled up. That's fine. That's cool. Giving a guy a face wash. That's completely fine. Like, there are ways to take it. Even slashing people. Like, And I'm not saying guys go swing their twigs around like weapons, but I'm saying uh, guys take penalties when they're emotionally charged and get pissed off. Like, that happens. But one thing that cannot happen and that is just a full-blown temper tantrum on the ice because I guess he had a penalty called against him earlier in the game. He was pissed off. You cannot just go on an absolute rampage on people for no reason just because, oh, his head's laying right under me on the ice. Let me just punch him face down into a couple times and then do the same thing to Artemi Panarin. And here's the worst thing about it because at the end of the day, the Department of Players Safety is supposed to protect its players, right? But also at the end of the day, the NHL is a business. So you would think that protecting their most valuable assets and the players that are most marketable and the players that are going to sell the most jerseys and the players that are going to promote your game the best, they would protect those to the highest degree, right? Wrong. $5,000, throw it in his face, makes $5.1 million. It's chump change for him. Tom Wilson was way worse, but... In some degree, it's almost the same thing as why Blues fans were so pissed off at Mark Stone going after Tyler Bozak in the middle of the ice with no puck around. It's just an unnecessary play. It's not a hockey play. There's no room in the sport for it. It's just volatile. And I don't care if he got his wires crossed. Like, they, make, they created the repeat offender rule for a reason, and then they just don't even stick to it. But then when guys like Sammy Blay go out and are actually trying to play hockey with a physical edge... And their hit comes up a little bit high. You give them a two-game sussy for what? For an accident. And Tom Wilson's out there headhunting, throwing punches in the back of guys' heads, injuring players after the whistle is blown. And he pays $5,000 and it's off his books. That just blows my mind. I don't understand it. Now look, for the people that disagree with me, I get it. I don't disagree with you that physicality cannot completely lose itself in the sport of hockey. You can never have hockey without checking 
without fighting, without, pol- without players policing themselves to some degree. But there is a reason that the Department of Player Safety is in order, and that's because concussions continue to happen. Massive injuries continue to happen across every sport. It's not just the NHL. And they've done the research, and they know that they don't want these players to be affected after their careers. So rightfully so, they put this department in place to protect the players and make this game a little bit more safer. And then they go out and make ridiculous rulings like this. If you're just going to eyeball every situation at a glance and say yes or no, then what is the point of even having rules in order? What is the point of having the repeat offender if Tom Wilson goes out on an absolute rampage and gets a slap on the wrist for it? What is the point of having the byline of a hockey play in the rule or having the byline of if the player's actions, players are responsible for their own actions and if another player gets injured because of their actions, then they should be reprimanded even more so. Why why is that put in there if we're not going to hold people accountable for it? Because it happened with Bozak, with Mark Stone, and it happened with Parnarin and Tom Wilson. Now, I just don't see any end in sight unless some serious reform happens. And that if that means taking down Peros and putting somebody else in, so be it. Something has to change. Because consistently after every ruling, there are people that are laughing at the Department of Player Safety's decision. It should be no-brainers every time. It's a consensus. You look at the play and say, does this belong in the sport of hockey? Does this promote the game that we want other people to enjoy? If your answer is no, suspend the guy. If your answer is yes, fine him. It's easy as that. Now, maybe the Department of Player Safety doesn't make anything easy, but Bet Online makes betting easy because the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. You can also check out betting odds for the NBA, NHL, and all your UFC or MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on top of your deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so final segment of today's episode, David Backus uh, is expected to possibly, possibly, potentially be making his return to the NHL ice, uh, possibly the last time Blues fans get to see him play hockey as he's been thinking of retirement. But that got me to thinking, uh, who do you think is the greatest Blues captain of all time? Because there's a lot of things to take into consideration when you think of a captaincy, right? Like you take a guy like David Backus, who, like, I mean, most goals he scored was 24 while he was a captain, and that was his first season. But he wasn't really the biggest point guy or offensive talent but he was one of those guys in the room that really knew how to speak to everybody uh and his physical style of play and all those things did a lot of did a lot of good for the team so then you get take a guy like Alex Petrangelo who's almost the polar opposite really uh maybe he wasn't the best speaker in terms of the locker room I feel like everyone in the locker room loved him obviously but maybe he doesn't have that same those same leadership qualities that David Backus did but he led on the ice uh, with his production uh, constantly being a finalist in the Norris conversation. 
Ryan O'Reilly's kind of that same factor, big two-way player, uh, does all the little things that people don't see, putting in the time in the offseason, putting in the time after practice, all these things. Uh, he leads the way by example. You've got the greatest hockey player to ever play as a Blues captain in 1995 to 96, uh, but he also was only here for a year, so how much of a voice do you really have uh, in that locker room as captain when you're Wayne Gretzky on the St. Louis Blues? Brett Hull was a captain for a while, probably had a bigger impact on the team than Wayne Gretzky did for that one season, but he was also a superstar and didn't get along with coaches a lot of time. That being said, he also had to play for Mike Keenan, who was an absolute idiot, so maybe a lot of people didn't respect him. Chris Pronger was a captain for five seasons with a heart trophy to his name uh, and a lot of heart in his game, a Hall of Fame defenseman and one of the best to ever wear the blue note, and then you've got Barkley Plager who was a captain for five seasons. The epitome of old-style hockey. Chucking nucks and not giving a darn. Everything you love about the 70s Barclay Plager encapsulated it. So let me know what you guys think. If you think it's one of those guys, if you think it's Eric Brewer, if you think if you think it's someone entirely different, uh, tweet at me. Let me know who your pick is for the greatest Blues captain of all time. But I think that's all the time that we have for today so thank you guys so much for tuning in to the locked on blues podcast part of the locked on live network your team every day make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening on you can follow us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at locked on blues you can follow me on twitter and locker room at 12 15 but like i said thank you guys so much for listening and as always let's go blues